Hey, Brian. Thanks for joining me today. You can see I'm standing here in our lobby, our freshly painted uh, with new lights, beautiful lobby. And of course, the auditorium is behind me. Uh, we are getting really close. We're just a couple of weeks away. We're going to be meeting in that room again together. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see your faces and not be preaching to a screen every week, but actually get to see your faces and uh, uh, see you in purpose person and have some fellowship together. Here's the thing uh, I think we're all feeling. Relationships matter. They matter. They matter to God. And right now we're in a series, Rethink Relationships, because I think right now is a critical time for us to be thinking about uh, not just about relationships, but how do we improve our relationships? As, as husbands and wives are spending more time together at home during a quarantine, last week we, we talked about that. Like, what does it look like to have a good, healthy marriage, and why is it so important, right? And, and it's important, of course, uh, because it's a picture of our relationship, the body of Christ's relationship with Jesus. So it's incredibly important whether you're uh, married or you're not. So if, if, if you haven't watched last week's sermon, I, I'd encourage you to come to go onto our website and check it out. Um, you know, every, every week, even though I'm, I'm preaching to a, as, uh, to a camera, uh, I'm picturing all of your faces and you guys just got led in worship by, by Michael and Matt and they've been doing such an outstanding job and I just want to want to thank them for that. And of course, Phil with our, our uh, vision cast time. Uh, the staff has just been doing an awesome job. And right now you can't see him. We've got Nick behind the camera, killing it with all the video and stuff. So uh, just just great. And, and again, I'm saying this because these, these, are, these are real people that we get to have relationships with. And I know we're all super hungry for it. Well, today we're going to be talking about relationships within the body. Um, uh, not just like specifically like husband's wife, parent, kids, that kind of thing. We're going to be talking about uh, a broader uh, subject today, and that is relationships in the body. And, and we're going to talk specifically about how to strengthen those relationships and why they matter so very much. Uh, last week we were in Ephesians chapter 5 as we talked about that relationship between a husband and a wife. Today we're going to back up a little bit, and we're going to be in Ephesians 4, and we're going to discuss healthy relationships again in the body. And I think one of the things that we're going to discover is that together we grow. Together we grow. Now, I know that it's theoretically possible to have a certain amount of spiritual growth and maturity happen in isolation. Go off in an island somewhere and be by yourself. Or I'm from Alaska. You know, I picture this time in the mountain, in the wilderness. And there's, there's times like that that do help our spiritual growth and development. But it's, it's better for us to be together in the grand scheme of things. Again, there are those times where we need to be off alone. But we shouldn't always be isolated. We shouldn't always be alone. Why? Because I think it's in, it's in, the, in the midst and of, of other believers who, who love me and love God that I'm most likely to grow spiritually and to become more like Jesus. Uh, and when I think about my spiritual growth up to this point, uh, I, can't, I can't even think about it without putting names and faces uh, alongside of it. You know, Kelly and I, we've been married now for 23 years and, 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 and we've been like iron sharpening iron. We've been, we've been sharpening one another over those years. And because of her, I think I'm more spiritual, spiritually mature today than I would have been. I, I think about my buddy Josh in Michigan and, 
and how he, he got me opportunities to step into ministry. And because of my relationship with him, I think I've become more spiritually mature. I think of my friend Todd, who uh, discipled me one-on-one -on -one over the course of a year and a half and how much he taught me in, in God's word and in prayer and in time of fellowship. Uh, I think of my friend Mike back in Alaska, how we still have this relationship where we're talking regularly and challenging one another, and I'm sharper because of it. Uh, again, I think... It, our relationship with other people kind of becomes like spiritual miracle growth. It's like fertilizer for our spiritual walk and maturity. Well, again, we're going to be backing up. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. But before we go there, uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this beautiful building that you allow us to do ministry in. Even though this isn't the church, it's just that, a beautiful building. And, and we thank you for all the ministry and, the, and, and things that are still going on right now during this lockdown time of quarantine. And God, we thank you that we're coming to the end of that. And soon, uh, while there may be some differences, soon we're going to be able to be here together again. It's because during that time, during these times where we connect with one another, we can challenge each other, we can, we can laugh with each other, we can cry with each other, and together we can grow. God, may your spirit bless this time that we have together today, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to go to our text right now, which is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, if you would join me there. It says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, you may have noticed in our text, just like last week, there's the word therefore. So we kind of need to back up if we're going to understand the, the, what we're reading here today in this proper context. We're going to have to back up and see why we have that therefore. So we're going to back up a little bit and go to now Ephesians chapter 3. We're just kind of working our way backwards through Ephesians. Verses 20, 17 through 21 says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church." and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. My first point that I want to make this morning is, or today is this. A Christian's life should be rooted and grounded in love. My life as a follower of Jesus, your life as a follower of Jesus, should be rooted and grounded in love. Now, now you may know that there are several different words. I think there's four different Greek words that are in the Bible that we, that we translate into the word love. This word love here is actually agape, and it's this God love, this is unconditional love. So when we read this, we, we could say that we, to know the unconditional love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of Christ. This is the kind of love that we're speaking of, an unconditional love, and that's important. 
And there's that love about how God loves us. This is what the text is saying, that Christ's unconditional love for you and I, that becomes the basis and foundation for how we ought to love one another. Is how God is loving us. That's the basis and foundation of how we ought to be loving one another. And we need to be doing it the way God does it, the way he loves us. How does God love us? Perfectly and unconditionally. You know, I'm going to pause here. I'm going to come back to it again later because it's so important. I know when you think about this, so many people are like, yeah, God is all seeing. He's all knowing. He's known my thoughts. He knows my deeds. He's known my actions. And, and, and to be quite honest, when I think about my standing before God, I become ashamed. It's unnecessary. It's because we're believing lies from the enemy. Listen, Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your sins, you have been washed clean. That past that you're talking about, that sin that have happened as far as the east is from the west, that's how far removed it is. So when God sees you, he sees you, he sees Jesus, his perfect son, and he loves you unconditionally. And again, it's his love that we, we receive that we then kind of project towards other, one another. It's the basis and foundation of how we ought to love and treat each other. We are rooted and grounded in Christ's agape, unconditional love. And friends, that truth should spur us on to love each other. Again, thinking about all the things I've done in my life, the bad thoughts, the bad actions, the bad deeds, those years wasted in rebellion. If God can look past that and see his son Jesus... And love me unconditionally. What offense can I overlook in my brother or sister? What offense can't we overlook in our brothers and sisters and love them as well as Christ loves us? Our actions, friends, your actions should not determine my love for you. Your action should not determine my love for you. What does that mean? That means unconditional love. I'm not called to love you when you're good. You're not called to love a brother and sister in Christ when they're treating you well. You're not called to love them if they don't gossip about you. You're not called to love them if they don't slander you. You're not, you're not called to love them if they don't take something from you. You're called to love them like Christ loves you perfectly and unconditionally. Their actions don't dictate how we love. And now we know that that's good news when it's God to us, but it's a struggle when it's us to someone else, isn't it? We're okay receiving that love sometimes, but we're not always great in giving it. Your actions don't determine my love. It's the kind of love that binds believers together and not drives us apart. If we're going to take ground in Mansfield and beyond, or we're watching this on screen, you might be in Alaska, you, you might be somewhere else in Ohio or Michigan. I know people in Pennsylvania that are watching and all over the place every week, and we, we're, we're grateful that you're here and you're tuning in. But wherever God has you, listen, if, we, if we're, we as a capital C church, if we're going to take ground for his kingdom, we must be bound together in love. If we are not united together in love, we have crippled our witness. We have crippled our testimony. We have crippled our ability to bring forth the kingdom of God in our areas. That's what we need to be thinking about. Again, a Christian's life should be rooted and grounded in love. Secondly, 
Love for one another demands self-sacrifice. Look again back at our text in 4, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read it all again. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, there is one spirit, and just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now Jesus, he sacrificed his throne and his life for me and for you. Think about that. Jesus sacrificed his place in heaven. He put it on hold while he came down here and, and, and had this incredibly humble upbringing in a manger in Bethlehem. And, and then what? how does he end his earthly ministry? By being mocked, ridiculed, spit upon, beaten, and hung on a cross to die. Why? Because he loved us in a self-sacrificing kind of way. And he modeled for us how we ought to love one another. I want you to think about that. If Jesus wasn't, was willing to take on the cross, how can I not take on my brothers' and sisters' offenses and maintain my love for them? What kind of hypocrite am I? What kind of hypocrite am I when I, when I, when I, when I, when I judge a brother and sister in Christ and, 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 and curse their name because of something that they've done or a way they've treated me? Listen, I know what's in me and what's in my past, and so does God, yet he loves me in a self-sacrificing kind of way, not even willing to uh, spare death on the cross. That's the way we've been loved. It demands self-sacrifice. It's the example he has given us, and it is upon that kind of love that we ought to love one another. Well, how are we going to do this, this thing? How are we going to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called? He gives us kind of a list here, and I like lists because i got to tell you, this is a big chore. When I think about this call that God has put on my life and on your life, follower of Jesus, to love one another in an unconditional and perfect kind of way, the way God loves us, that's a big job. I know I don't make it easy for you. And believe it or not, sometimes you don't make it easy for me. It's just the way it is. We're imperfect people. So he gives us a list. First of all, he starts this list with humility. Humility. Simply put, I'm not more valuable than you. Humility. I'm not more valuable. Do you realize when we, when we, when we walk in a prideful and arrogant way, we're kind of saying that we're more important than the people around us. If the God of this universe, the creator of this world, humbled himself, humbled himself to people like you and I, what is stopping us from humbling ourselves towards one another? We need to be walking in humility and in gentleness. These two words, humility and gentleness, they, they give me an image of somebody who uh, many of you know who he is. Some of you may not. Rabbi Zacharias, he just passed away this, this past week. This guy was probably the greatest apologist in our, in our era. Uh, maybe there will become one greater than him in the years to come. I hope so. 
I bet you he would say he hoped so, but probably in our era, one of the greatest apologists. Listen, this guy's ministry, you know what it was marked, marked by? Not just his intellect, which was profound, it was marked by humility and gentleness. And it was because of that intellect that he, he could have been prideful about, because he knew he was smarter than, he probably every room he was in, he was the smartest guy in the room. But he was marked by humility and gentleness, and that gave him an audience with people who, who, who didn't like Christians at all. He, he spoke at all kinds of universities that were very secular and, and didn't think that, uh, you, you know, didn't want to give an audience at all to, uh, to a follower of Christ. But because of the humility and gentleness that he showed and the way he did his ministry, it opened up lots of opportunities. And every Christian that I've heard speak that knew Ravi Zacharias, they tear up right now. They choke up. Why? There was something about him, they would say, and it was his humility and gentleness that he would talk to one another. I think about a guy named Bob Goff. He's a speaker. If you haven't heard Bob, he's he, he's a fun guy to listen to. He's written some books, and he, he's a great guy to read his books. Uh, uh, um, I, I'm completely spacing the name, but if you look up Bob Goff, you'll find like his latest book. Read it. It's good. But anyways, here's a guy. He's like six foot 100, and he's an attorney. He's also very intelligent, but he's goofy as all get out. In the back of his book, he puts his cell phone number, and, I, and this is true. If you call him, he's going to answer it. He's going to answer it every time. If you see Bob Goff anywhere, and I know this firsthand, if you see him anywhere and say, hey, are you Bob Goff? You're going to get hugged, and it's going to be awkward. Why? He's gentle, he's humble, and he's demonstrating the love of Christ, the agape love of Christ, the perfect and unconditional. Now, he's not a perfect guy, so he only does it as perfectly as he can, but he, he's demonstrating that unconditional love. Listen, he's like, I'm just going to love you. Why? God loves me. And that's the foundation and basis of how we're going to treat one another. Paul goes on to say, with patience. You know, how many times, how many times uh, do I need to forgive my brother? Remember that? 70 times 7. This, this kind of, basically what we're being told is every time. Every time. Unconditional and perfect love patient with one another. Also, we need to be doing this, he says, in love. Again, in agape love, this unconditional way. We're not going to put limits on it, and I'm not going to be dictated how I love you based on how you treat me. And we need to be moving eagerly, seeking unity. I want you to think about that. When's the last time you went after something eagerly? We need to be going after our unity with one another eagerly. Listen, disunity stunts our growth, both personally and corporately. Not just ourselves, it will. Disunity within the body of Christ is going to stunt my personal growth, and it's going to stunt the corporate growth of the church as well. And none of us want to do either of those things. But when we are of one mind, when we are of one purpose, when we are of one mission, uh, uh, brought together by one spirit, by one love, serving and glorifying one God, when we come together in unity, the gates of hell won't be able to stand against us. Whatever it is that offense that your brother or sister has, has done and you haven't let it go, let it go today. Let it go. Quit carrying it around. The love, the way in which God loves us, is the basis and foundation for the way we love one another. If you can't let it go without a conversation, have the conversation. But if right now, disunity, it stunts the growth of the church and it stunts the growth of the individual Christian. And friends, here's the thing. You've got the key to let yourself out of there. Forgive, be patient, 
70 times 7, that's patience. I bet you Kelly would say 7,000 times 700. That's how many times she said, forgive me. I'm just kidding. She wouldn't actually say that. It's true, but she wouldn't actually say it. Friends, none of our behavior should be dictated by the behavior of others. In the body of Christ, none of our behavior should be dictated by the, by the uh, behavior of others. Jesus went to the cross with forgiveness in his heart for his executors. In real time, Jesus went to the cross with forgiveness in his heart for his executors. Why else would he say, forgive them for they know not what they do? Don't you think Jesus had every right to stand up for his rights? Of course. Not only, not only was he the God of the people that was there, the walks that he was walking on, he put there, he formed, he created from nothing. Did Jesus not have the right to stand up for his rights? He absolutely did. But instead, he willingly went to the cross with forgiveness in his heart. Not for his own good, but for ours. And that's our example. What are you not willing to look past right now? For the sake of unity, for the sake of your own growth, for the sake of the corporate growth, what are you not willing to look past right now? Friends, our current events have shown us some things, I think. And, and, and unfortunately, in some ugly ways, the things that are going on in our world right now, I think they're showing us some of the limits that we have put on for our love for one another. You know, we're going to meet here in just a couple weeks in this building behind me. And, and what I'm about to say is going to really irritate some of you. Okay, so just be prepared. But you remember, you have to be patient with me. You have to keep forgiving me. That's just the way this works in unity. We're going to have people who come in here who are high risk, who if, if they catch this disease, it could cost them their lives. And one of the things that some of the experts have been saying that we need to be doing is as simple as just covering our face with a mask, just our, our nose and our mouth. Not necessarily for, for those who are healthy, but for those who are sick. Now, I understand that there are, there are experts out there that are going to say, they aren't going to do anything. Those masks, they don't help you. They're, they're useless. They're pointless. Don't wear them. We're going to ask everybody to wear them here. Why? It's not for me. It's for those who are around me. Even if, even if they do nothing more than give comfort to somebody sitting next to me, my hour wearing a mask will be well worth it. It's just a way I can love somebody. That's it. It's just the way we can show love to one another. I'm, I'm not going to debate. So if you write me a letter, listen, I'm not going to debate the scientific ins and outs of wearing a mask. I'm not going to do that. So save yourself the email. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If I can do something in a self-sacrificing way, that's going to even make somebody a little bit more comfortable. And that's my brother and sister in Christ for the sake of unity, for their sake, and for my own growth, for the sake of my own growth, and for our corporate growth, I'm going to go ahead and do it and make myself uncomfortable. And I'm gonna ask you to do the same. Now we're not gonna have mask police here where we're gonna lock you up in some sort of maskless prison. But we're just gonna ask you to think about that. Think about those people you're gonna be coming in contact with that, that may be more comfortable if we go ahead and put a mask on our face. If me wearing a mask helps my brother or sister live in comfort, I'm willing to do it. And that's a small thing. That's a small thing. It's just a current thing, that's why I bring it up. But how many more things are there? 
Listen, social media is dividing people in big ways, but it's also dividing people in the church of Jesus Christ, and it shouldn't be so. Listen, if we can't get along with each other as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ on social media, grab your laptop and throw it out your window whether it's open or closed. Do it with malice. Because if it's causing division within the church, it's hurting you and it's hurting the church. So stop. Stop. You know what? You might be right. You might be right. Jesus was right. Jesus didn't stand up for that, those rights. He went to the cross for your sake and for mine. Let's put aside our differences and live our lives for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and for the sake of those who do not know his name. Even if it means we have to give up a right or two along the way. Join me as I close in prayer. God, I just said some really hard things. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to spur up some emotions. I know there are people right now as I'm praying who, who there's emotions welling up inside. Maybe anger, maybe whatever. You know, maybe I didn't think of this or that. Or, or it's we the people in the United States. And, and I want to put that aside for just a second. And it's a real thing, I know. But here's, here's what I really want us to focus on, God, is this. What are we willing to give up for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ? What are we willing to give up for the sake of those who don't know you yet? Because that is so much more important. God, I am a pilgrim and an alien here in this land. My home is a heavenly home, and that is what I want to look for. That is what I put my hope in. That is what I put my confidence in. Help us to have that mind. Remind me daily to have that mind. God, help us to have one mind as we are one body under you, our one Lord. May your spirit guide and direct us as we go. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.